the chief disciple must have started dreaming and thinking that he is going to be chosen. Mind is always ambitious. He must have planned how to behave, what to do, so that he is chosen and becomes the chief of the new monastery. He must not have his luck for many days. The mind must have been revolving and revolving around and around. The ego plans, and whatsoever you plan will miss reality. Because reality can be encountered only spontaneously. If you think about it beforehand, you are ready, but you will miss. A ready person will miss. This is the contradiction. A person who is not ready, who has not planned anything, acts spontaneously, reaches the very heart of reality. The chief disciple must have theorized, many alternatives must have come to his mind. The master is going to choose and there is going to be some sort of text. He must have consulted the scriptures, because in the old days also, masters had been choosing disciples to be sent to new monasteries. How they have chosen, what sort of examination has to be passed through, how he can succeed. There are many stories from the ancient days. Almost always this has been one of the basic tests when masters have put before their disciples. They ask to express something without using language. They say, say something about this thing, but don't use any name, because the name is not the thing. The chair is there, I am sitting on it. As when master can say, say something about this, this chair, but don't use the name because the word chair is not the chair. So don't use any verbal expression. Don't use language and say something. The mind feels puzzled because mind knows only language, nothing else. If language is barred, mind is barred. What else is mind except verbal accumulation, names, words, language? And the master says, don't use the name. He is saying, don't use the mind. And do something so that the chair is expressed what it is. The word God is not God. The word man is not man. The word rose is not rose. When there is no language, the rose exists 
When there is no language, the tree goes on existing. It is not dependent on language. What it is? This chief monk must have brooded over and over again and again. And then he must have chosen an alternative before him. He was dead. That very moment, he failed. Inside, if you decide what you are going to do, and you act out of that decision, you will miss reality. Because reality is an ever-flowing movement. Nobody knows where it is going. Nobody knows what is going to happen. Nobody can predict it. It is unpredictable. There is a Zen story. Two monasteries existed side by side. Both the masters had two small boys for errands, for things to do. The, both the small boys used to go to the market to fetch things for the master, sometimes vegetables, sometimes other things. Both the monasteries were antagonistic to each other. But sometimes boys are boys. They will forget the doctrines and meet on the way and talk and enjoy. It was really prohibited. They should not talk because the other monastery is the enemy. One day the boy who belonged to the first monastery came and said, I am puzzled. When I was going to the market, I saw the boy from the other monastery and I asked him, Where are you going? He said, Wherever the wind blows. And I was at a loss. What to say? He created a puzzle. The master says, This is not good. Nobody from our monastery has been ever defeated by the other monastery, not even a servant. So you must fix that boy. Tomorrow ask again, where are you going? And he will say, wherever the wind blows. So you say, if there is no wind, then the boy couldn't sleep the whole night. He tried and tried to conceive what is going to happen the next day. He many times rehearsed. He will ask and the boy will say and he will answer. And the next day he waited on the road. The boy from the next monastery came and he asked, Where are you going? The boy said, Wherever my feet lead me. So he was at a loss what to do, because the answer was fixed, and reality is unpredictable. He came back very sad and said to the master, that boy is not worth trust. 
He has changed. And after that, he knows what to do. So the master says, next day, when he says, wherever my feet sleep, you tell him that if you are crippled and your legs are cut, then he couldn't sleep again. Early he went. He had to wait on the road. And when the boy came, he asked, where are you going? And the boy said to fetch vegetables from the market. He came very disturbed. And he said to the master that this boy is impossible. He goes on changing. Life is that boy. It goes on changing. Reality is not a fixed phenomenon. You have to be present spontaneously to it. Only then the response will be real. If your answer is fixed beforehand, you are already dead. You have missed already. The tomorrow will come, but you will not be there. You are fixed in the yesterday, that which is past. And all the minds who are too much verbal are fixed like this. Their answers are fixed. Go to a pundit, to a scholar and ask, what is God? Before you have asked, he starts answering. Your question is not answered. Because even before you have the question, the man has the answer. The answer is dead. It is there. It has to be just brought from the memory. It is not a response. And this is the difference between a man of knowledge and a man of wisdom. A man of knowledge has ready-made answers. You ask and the answer is there. You are irrelevant. Your question is irrelevant. Before the question, the answer exists. Your question simply triggers the memory. But if you go to a man of wisdom, he has no answers for you. He has nothing ready-made. He is open. He is silent. He will respond first to your question. Then the question goes and resounds in his being. Not in the memory. Through his being, a response comes. Nobody can predict that response. If you go next day and ask the same question, the response will not be the same. Once it happened, a man tried to judge Buddha. So every year, he will go and ask the same question. Because he was thinking if he really knows, then his answer must be always the same. Because how can you change the answer? If I come and ask, is there God? And if you know, you will say yes. Or you will say no. Next year I come again and ask. So for many years the man was coming and then he became more and more puzzled. Because sometimes Buddha will say yes. And sometimes Buddha will say no. 
And sometimes Buddha will remain silent and sometimes he will simply smile and will not answer anything. The man became puzzled and he said, what is this? If you know, then you must be certain and your answer must be fixed. You go on changing. Once you said yes, then you said no. Have you forgotten me that I have asked this question before? And then once you remain silent, and now you are smiling. And that's why I have been coming with a long gap of one year, just to see whether you know or not. Buddha said, and when for the first time you had come to ask, and you asked, is there God? I answered, but the answer was not only to the question, it was to you. You have changed. Now the same answer cannot be given. And not only you have changed, I have changed. The Ganges has flown so much. Same answer cannot be given. I am not a scripture. But you open it and read the same answer is written there. A Buddha is a living river. It goes on flowing. In the morning it is different. The sun rises. And all over the river the gold flows. In the noon it is different. By the evening it is different. And when night comes and it starts, it starts being reflected in it, it is different. In the summer, it shrinks. In the rain comes a flood. A river is not a painting. It is a alive force. In a painting, whether it is raining outside, or whether it is summer, the river remains the same. In the, in the rains, a painted river will not be flooded. It is dead. Otherwise, every moment there is change. Only one thing is permanent and that is change. Only one thing is there that goes on continuously and that is the revolution. Everything else is impermanent, except revolution. It goes on and on and on. This chief disciple must have decided. The conclusion was there and he was waiting for the master to ask. And then the master puts a jug, a pot, filled with water and he says, say something. But don't use the name. Say something, but don't use the mind. Say something, but don't use language. The very thing looks absurd. When you say, say something and don't use language, you are creating an impossible situation. 
How can something be said without using language? But if you cannot say something about an ordinary jug filled with water without using language, how you will be able to say something about God filled with whole universe? If you cannot indicate this jug without language, how you will be able to indicate the great jug, the universe, the God, the truth. And if you cannot indicate, how can you be made a chief of a monastery? Because people will be coming to you, not to know words, but to know reality. People will be coming to you, not to be trained in philosophy, because that can be done by the universities. Millions of universities are there, they teach words. So what is the purpose of a monastery? A monastery has to teach reality, not words. Has to teach religion, not philosophy. Has to teach existence, not theories. So if you cannot say anything about an ordinary part, what you will do when someone asks, what is God? What you will do when someone asks, who am I? The chief disciple answered, whenever mind faces such a situation, the only way is to define negatively. If someone asks, Say something about God without naming what you will do. You can only say negatively. You can say God is not this world. God is not matter. Look in the dictionaries. Go to the Encyclopedia Britannica and see how they define things. And you will be surprised. If you Turn over the page where mind is defined, you will find the defined mind is that which is not matter. Then turn the page where matter is defined, and you will see it is written, matter is that which is not mind. So what type of definition is this? When you ask about mind, they say no matter. When you ask about matter, they say no mind. Nothing is defined. This is a vicious circle. If I ask about A, you say not B. If I ask about B, you say not A. So you define one thing by another indefinable. How can something be defined by another indefinable? This is a tricky thing. Dictionaries are the most tricky things in the world. They don't say anything and they appear to be saying so much. Everything is defined and everything is indefinable. Nothing can be defined. So the chief disciple said something negatively. But he said, when mind feels at a loss what to do, it starts saying negative things. 
maybe atheism is just an escape. God is there, but how to define it? Mind feels at a loss. So the easiest escape is to say there is no God. The problem is finished. Somebody said it is not a pond because it can be carried in a hand. But how can you define a jug filled with water by just saying that it is not a pond? Then what is pond? Say something without naming it. And then, the cook of the monastery, who must have been more real a man than these pundits, a cook who has never been too much interested in the scriptures, a cook who has been working with reality, encountering it, not thinking about it, he stood, kicked the pot and went out. What he said, he said something in a more realistic way. Kicking is not thinking, it is action. He kicked the pot and he said to the master, nonsense, talking absurdities. You say to us to say something without words. Nothing can be said without words. Something can be done without words, but nothing can be said. He caught the point. Something can be done without words, but nothing can be said. So he did something, he kicked the part. And the master says, this cook has been chosen. He goes to the new monastery and he becomes the master there. He knows how to act without mind. He knows how to answer without using mind. He has said that the problem is absurd. Remember one thing, if the problem is absurd, you cannot answer it in a rational way. And if you try, you will be foolish. And that shows foolishness. If the problem is absurd, you cannot answer in a rational way. Because for an absurd question, there can be no rational answer. And if you try, you simply prove that you are foolish. That chief disciple must have been a foolish man. The other scholar who said, this is not a pond, must have been a foolish man. Scholars are foolish. Otherwise, they won't be scholars. They are wasting their life in words, scriptures. Nobody can waste his life in words if he, if he is not absolutely stupid. This cook is more wise. He kicked. 
He is not kicking the part, he is kicking the whole problem. He is not kicking the part, he is kicking the whole situation. And this is, this is absurd. And he is not saying anything, he is not using a word. Just imagine that cook kicking the part with his whole being. He is involved in it completely. Mind, body, soul. The kick is alive. And the kick is spontaneous. He has not decided it beforehand. Because he never knew what is going to be there. He may not even have thought that he is to answer. He was just seeing what is going on. Suddenly, the kick happens. Master, the master, must have looked in this state of being. When the cook was just excellent, no mind in it, just an emptiness. Out of that emptiness, out of that no mind, the action arises. When the action comes from the actors, it is dead. When the action comes from the ego, it is premeditated. When the action comes without the ego, without the mind, without you being there, when the action bubbles up out of your nothingness, it is from the divine. It is total. The cook didn't kick as if the whole existence kicked. And he kicked all his scholarship. And he kicked all his scriptures. And he kicked the whole intellect and its vicious circle. And he walked out. He didn't wait. Look, he walked out. If he had waited to see what Master says now, he would have missed. Because that means the mind is there looking for the conclusion, the result. Mind is always result-oriented. What is going to happen? If I do this, then what will happen? If the cause is there, what will be the effect? The mind is always for the result. Mind is result-oriented. This cook simply walked. He never waited what is going to happen. He was not thinking that he is going to be chosen. How can you think just by kicking a part you will be chosen and become a master of a monastery? No, he never bothered. This is what Krishna says to Arjun in Gita. That do act, but don't ask for the result. Kick and walk out. Arjuna goes on thinking about the result. He says, if I fight, if I go through this war, what will happen? What will be the result? Will the result will be good or bad? Will I gain or lose? 
will it be worth the effort killing so many people? And Krishna says, don't think of the result. Leave the result to me. You simply act. But mind cannot do that. Before the mind acts, it asks for the result. It acts because of the result. If the result is going to be there only then, people come to me and they ask, if we meditate, what will happen? What will be the result? Remember, meditation cannot be result-oriented. You simply meditate, that's all. Everything happens, but it is not a result. And if you are seeking a result, nothing will happen and meditation will be useless. When you seek a result, it is mind. When you don't seek a result, it is meditation. Kick the part and walk out. Meditate and walk out. Don't ask for the result. Don't say what will happen. Because if you think what will happen, you cannot meditate. The mind goes on thinking about the result. It cannot be here and now. It is always in the future. You are meditating, you are thinking when the result is going to happen. It has not happened yet. Is it meditation? <coughs> if you love and go on thinking when the happiness will come, it has not come yet. Is it love? When you forget completely the result, when there is not even a flicker in the mind for the result, not even a single vibration moving into the future, when you have become a silent pool here and now, Everything has happened. In meditation, cause and effect are not two. Cause is the effect. Act and the result are not two. Act is the result. They are not divided. In meditation, the seed and the tree are not two. The seed is the tree. But for mind, everything is divided. The seed and tree are two. Act and the result are two. Result is always in the future, act is here. And you act because of the future. So for mind, present is always sacrificed for the future. And future exists not. There is no future. There is always present. It is an eternal now. And you are sacrificing this now for something which is nowhere and cannot be anywhere. In meditation, the whole process is reversed. The future is sacrificed for the present. That which is not is sacrificed for that which is. There is no result, no conclusion. Kick the part and walk out. Don't ask for the result. That was the beauty of it. The cook simply walked out saying that whole thing is absurd. 
they are questioning in these people's answers. This is a nonsense game. I don't belong here. He must have gone to his kitchen and started working. And that's how a meditative mind will act. And the master says, this man is chosen. He goes to the new monastery, he becomes the chief there. He knows how to be total. He knows how to act spontaneously. He knows how to act without motivation. He knows how to act without mind. This man can lead others also into meditation. This man can become a guide. This man has achieved. There is no more to be achieved. This story is beautiful. Very rare. Penetrate into it. But you can penetrate only if you start acting the way the cook acted. But there is a pitfall. You can premeditate about it. If I put a part before you and you kick, you will miss. Because you know already the answer. You will think, okay, now this is the opportunity. Kick the part and walk out. That won't do. You cannot deceive. Because whenever the mind is there, your total being gives a different vibration. You cannot deceive a master. And remember this incidence has been repeated many times. Then masters are really unique. They go on repeating the same problem again and again. And those who have read the scriptures, they will behave in the old way. They will think, this is the answer, kick the part and get out and become the chief. But you cannot deceive his own master. Because he is not concerned what you are doing, he is concerned what you are in that moment of doing. And that is a totally different thing. You have a perfume, a different perfume when you act out of emptiness. And when I say a different perfume, I literally mean it. I am not using a metaphor. When you act out of emptiness, a freshness, all around you, as if suddenly there has come a morning in the middle of the day, a freshness all around you, vibrations which touch a life so intense that hits all around your eyes, your very being, the way you sit, the way you stand, the way you kick the part. Think, if you kick the part, there will be ego, and the ego will be kicking the part, and you will be aggressive. When this cook kicked the part, it was not aggression. It was simply a statement of effect.
there was no violence. I have heard that one man, a poor beggar, I say poor beggar because there are wealthy beggars also, came to ask for food. The lady of the house felt much compassion for him and he said, I will give you food and if you want some work also, some wood has to be chopped, you can do it and I will pay for you. So the man worked on the wood, chopped the wood and by the evening when he was going, the lady of the house said, that there is one hole on your dress. Give it to me. Within minutes I will repair it. The man said no. Because just a hole in the dress is different. And when it is repaired, it is different. When you have a repaired dress, it is premeditated poverty. When you have just a hole on the dress, it may happen just now through some accident. But when you have a patch, then it becomes ancient. It has not happened accidentally just now. It has happened long before it has been patched and repaired. It becomes a premeditated poverty. Let my poverty be spontaneous, don't. But your whole mind is a patchwork, a premeditated poverty. You have all the answers and not a single response. You have already decided what to do and in that decision you have murdered yourself, killed. It has been suicidal. Mind is suicide. Start acting spontaneously. It will be difficult in the beginning because you will feel much uncomfort. With a premeditated answer there is less uncomfort because you are more certain. Why we are not spontaneous? Because of fear. The fear is there that the answer may be wrong. So it is better to decide it beforehand. Then you are certain. But certainty always belongs to death. Remember, life is always uncertain. Everything dead is certain. Life is always uncertain. Everything dead is solid, fixed. Its nature cannot be changed. Everything alive is changing, moving. It is a fluid, a liquid thing, flexible. It can move in any direction.
the more you become certain the more you will miss life and those who know life is god if you miss life you miss god act spontaneously in the beginning even if there is uncomfort allow it to be there don't hide it and don't suppress it and don't imitate be childlike but don't be childish if you are childlike you will become a saint if you are childish you can become a great knowledgeable person a man returned to his house he saw his children and neighbor's children sitting on the steps so he asked what you are doing they said we are playing church he was puzzled because they were just sitting not doing anything he said what type of church he inquired so they said we have sung preached prayed everything has done now we are smoking on the steps you can imitate knowledgeability is imitation a buddha says something it is out of his wisdom not out of his knowledge not out of his memory it is out of his experience you can imitate it you can play the church you can cram it in the mind you can repeat it this is childish be childlike but not childish child likeness is spontaneity the child is fresh with no answers with no experience accumulated he has really no memory he acts whatsoever comes through his being he acts he is not motivated he is not thinking about the results about the future he has an innocence this cook was really innocent and innocence is meditation start being meditative in your acts small things while eating be spontaneous while talking be spontaneous while walking be spontaneous and allow life a response not an answer if somebody says something just watch whether you are simply repeating something that you have been doing always just a habit or the answer is a response
whether the mind is repeating an old habit, whether the answer is coming from the memory or from you. That's why you bore people so much. Everybody bores everybody else because everything is dead, stale, borrowed, stinks of death. It is not fresh. Look at children playing and you feel a freshness. Even for a moment you forget that you have become old. Listen to the words. A look at the trees or the flowers and for a moment you forget because there is no mind. Flowers are flowering just like the cook kicked. They are kicking. Birds are singing. They are kicking. The life itself kicking. But no theories are there. In the beginning it will be uncomfortable. But be patient. Go through that uncomfort. Soon you will have a upsurge of energy. It is dangerous. That's why people avoid it. To be spontaneous is dangerous. Because when anger comes, it comes. The mind says, think. Don't be angry. It may be costly. So you always think and you throw your anger on those who are weaker than you, not on those who are stronger than you. Love can happen, but love is not allowed. You can have a loving attitude only towards your wife. And life does not know who is wife and who is not. Life is absolutely amoral. It, has, it knows no morality. You can fall in love with somebody else's wife because life knows no relations, fixed institutions. All institutions are man-made. That is the danger. So mind says, think before. She is not your wife, so don't look in such a loving way. This is immoral. This is your wife. So look in a loving way, smile, whether you feel or not. That is not the point, because this is the duty. That's how we have killed everybody. And everybody lives in an institution, not in life. Because of these dangers, mind thinks beforehand what to say. When you come back to your home, you are thinking what the wife will say and how you are going to answer. And the wife is waiting. She knows whatsoever you say is wrong. She has heard your excuses before and the same old excuses you will say. 
you are late. I have heard one man phoned to his wife one day, one afternoon, and said that one of my friends has come and I am bringing him for the dinner tonight. The wife screamed and said, you fools, you know very well the cook has left. The baby is cutting his teeth. I am having fever for three days. The man said very calmly, I know it well. That's why I want to bring him home, because that fool is thinking to get married. Whole life has become an institution, a madhouse, in which duties are to be fulfilled, not love, in which you have to behave, not be spontaneous, in which a pattern has to be followed, not the overflow of life and energy. That's why mind thinks and decides everything. The danger is there. And I call a man sannyasin who breaks out of these institutions and lives spontaneously. To be a sannyasin is the most courageous act possible. To be a sannyasin means to live without mind. And the moment you live without mind, you live without society. Because the mind has created the society and the society has created the mind. They are interdependent. To be a sannyasin means to renounce all that is false. Not to renounce the world, but to renounce all that is false, to renounce all that is inauthentic, to renounce all the answers and to be responsive, spontaneously responsive. Not to think about the results, but to be real. Difficult, because much investment is there in the falsity, in the mass, in the faces, in the games you go and play, To be initiated as a sannyasin means, now you will try to be authentic. Whatsoever the consequence, you will accept the consequence and you will live in the present. You will sacrifice the future for the present, you will never sacrifice the present for the future. This moment will be the totality of your being, you will never move beforehand. This is what sannyas is. Kick the pot and walk out and don't wait for the results. The results will take care by themselves. They will follow you. This story doesn't say, but I know the master must have run out to catch hold of this good wait. 
you have been chosen you go to the new monastery and guide people in life and meditation anything more every day when i sit here i try sitting without having a question and to stay in the moment and then i rehearse not rehearsing and then when you say anything more it's as though a shield comes down i can't talk to you i talk to myself it's as though the mind is always putting out its fears and making things safe for me it happens because we are always afraid afraid something may go wrong but don't be afraid before me nothing can go wrong and if something goes wrong spontaneously that is the right that is the right thing because this spontaneousness is right not what happens the mind manipulates because of fear you may ask something others may start laughing they may think you are foolish so something has to be asked which nobody can laugh about and everybody thinks that you have asked a serious question a meaningful question that's why our mind is afraid and fear manipulates but near me there is no need for any fear you can ask absurdities you can ask foolish questions because to me mind is absurd it cannot ask anything else so there is no problem you can only give if an appearance that something is serious mind cannot ask anything which is not foolish all questions are foolish and the whole mind has to be dropped only then you will not be a fool but the fear that's why we rehearse the ego wants to feel important but near me there is no need of any fear i'm not asking you to ask something wise nothing wise can be asked nobody has ever asked a wise question that is impossible because when you become wise questions drop when you are wise there is no question you can imitate wisdom also by not asking that will not help that will not help 
So those who are not asking, they should not think that they are wise and Tirtha is a fool. <laughs> he is just your representative. <laughs> so he is bound to feel more foolish than you <laughs> because so much foolishness together <laughs> is represented in him. So he is bound to be afraid. <laughs> it is natural, but by and by drop. Because when you drop manipulations, you become natural near me. It will give you a glimpse to be natural. It will give you the first glimpse and then you can gather courage to be natural in life. And if you cannot be spontaneous near me, how it will be possible for you to be spontaneous anywhere. If you go to other so-called masters, they create fear. You cannot laugh before them. That will be taken as an offense. You have to have a serious and sad face. You have to appear. Very serious. Look at the church's mass. Look at the so-called masters with long faces. Christians say Jesus never laughed. Because how a Jesus can laugh? And he laughs, he becomes profane, he becomes ordinary. But I say to you, such a seriousness is a shield. It will protect all that is nonsensical in you. Allow it to come up. Don't force it within. Don't repress it in any way. Near me be natural. And in this being natural, you will learn that which cannot be learned in any other way. Just being near me and spontaneous. You will drop the mind and you will be meditative. I answer you not because I am concerned with your questions. That is irrelevant. I am not satisfying your questions in any way. They cannot be satisfied. Then what I am doing? Just being here with you. The answer is just an excuse. The question is just an excuse. Just to be near, just to be closer. But why can't we sit silently? We can sit. I can sit, but it will be difficult for you. 
वी कैन सिट साइलेंटली आई एम नॉट टॉकिंग यू नॉट आस्किंग बट देन इन साइड यू विल गो ऑन टॉकिंग द चैटरिंग विल बी देयर ट्रिमेंडस चैटरिंग विल गो ऑन मोर देन ऑर्डिनरीली बिकॉज वेन एवर यू सेट टू द माइंड सिट साइलेंटली द माइंड रिबेंस then it creates more words and more questions and a monologue and it goes mad you cannot sit silently that's why i ask you to ask that's why i answer you because if i am talking your mind will not talk and my talking is not destructive to me your talking is destructive when i talk you get absorbed into it you may have few glimpses of silence this is how life is paradoxical you will have certain glimpses of silence while i am talking because you get so absorbed engaged occupied your mind becomes so tense listening you are so alert that something may not be missed in that alertness you become silent the inner talk stops that gap is my answers my answers are not the real thing so my answers go on changing people feel that i am inconsistent today something tomorrow something else i go on saying things they are irrelevant i am not concerned with consistency my answering is just like music playing on guitar you never ask consistency that you play the same thing again same thing again the musician goes on changing if you get absorbed into the music you will have some gaps of silence in those gaps intervals you will become for the first time aware who you are that awareness bind by will become crystallized so don't bother what you are asking whatever you ask is okay don't rehearse it let it be more spontaneous it will be difficult for you because this spontaneity is difficult i have heard about one preacher for the first time he was going on the pulpit so he rehearsed the whole night what to say he has chosen a really beautiful thing about jesus and this is going to be a crisis in his life either he succeeds or fails and the first failure or first success mean much so the whole night he was rehearsing and rehearsing is telling in his room lecturing 
imagining the ideals and then in the morning he was so tired really feeling so sleepy and when he stood on the pulpit the mind went blank he has chosen a beautiful thing behold i have come so he said behold i have come and then the mind went blank blank he couldn't find anything so just to think that if i repeat again maybe the fellow comes he leans forward and says behold i have come but nothing will come to be nonchalant he leaned more forward as if this is not by accident he is doing it so he said behold i come under his pressure the pulpit gave way and he fell on an old woman in her lap he was very much embarrassed and he said sorry i never meant it to happen the woman said no need to say anything i must have become alert three times you said behold i come it is not your fault no need to rehearse no need to to premeditate let things happen but this is this is the way things are going in the world questions are dead answers are dead questions have been thought over answers have been thought over then two dead things meet there is no spark i know it is difficult for you but try by and by it will happen it has to happen and once it happens you will have a freedom freedom from the mind then you become weightless then you have wings in the sky anything more difficult <laughs>
Sweet is the paradox. Yesterday is no more there. <laughs> Josu has died long before. Only two days. Even that has passed. This moment is mind looks at things and finds paradoxes because mind thinks of the past, of the present, of the future. And only the present is. So mind finds paradoxes because mind is always moving from the past to the present and then to the future. Once you were a tiny self in the womb of your mother, so tiny that by naked eyes you could not have been seen. Now, You are totally different. <coughs> now you are young. Sooner or later you will be old, crippled. Now you are alive. The day will come you will be dead. Mind thinks all these things together. A child and old man become paradox. How a child can be old? A young man, an old man, then birth and death becomes paradox. Because for the mind, birth and death both can be thought. For existence, when there is birth, there is no death. When there is death, there is no birth. For existence, there is nothing paradoxical. Mind can look past, present, future. Paradoxes are there. Yesterday you heard me. Be finished with it. Yesterday is no more there, but the mind carries. If you really heard me yesterday, you will not carry it. Why carry? And if you carry it, how can you hear me today? That is, smoke of yesterday will be a disturbance. That dust will be there. And only through that yesterday you will hear me. You will miss. Yesterday should be dropped. So you can be here and now. There is no paradox. If you compare yesterday and today, then the paradox comes. If you compare birth and death, then the paradox comes. Today and yesterday cannot exist together. They can exist together only in the memory. So existence is non-paradoxical. Mind is paradoxical. Why think about yesterday? And if you are thinking about it, how can you be here? It will be difficult. And look, 
at the whole absurdity. You will not be able to hear me today because of yesterday. Did you hear me yesterday because there have been other yesterdays? Will you able will you be able to hear me tomorrow? Because this today would have become yesterday. The film is there of all the yesterdays. Through that film it is difficult to penetrate in the present. So all that I can say is be here. Josu is dead. The man who was talking here yesterday is no more, he is dead. There is no question of consistency or inconsistency. Tomorrow I will not be here. You will not be here. Tomorrow is going to be absolutely fresh. And only when these two freshnesses meet, there is a spark. And that spark dances. And that dance is always consistent. But carried past creates problems. The problem is not what I said yesterday, what I am saying today. The problem is you carry yesterday's and then you miss today. And then whatsoever you think you have heard, I have not spoken it. You may have heard it, because through so many yesterdays, whatsoever I say you will interpret it. You will think meanings in it which are not there. You may miss things which are there. It will become something of your own. And then you will create many paradoxes. And then the mind is puzzled and confused. Go on dropping. I am not a philosopher. I am not a systematizer. I am absolutely anarchic. As anarchic as life itself. I don't believe in systems. If you go to a Hegel or a Kant and say that this is contradictory immediately, they will say no. They will immediately show you that it is not contradictory. And if you can prove that it is contradictory, they will drop one part of it so the system becomes consistent. One gambler was saying to another gambler that I must tell you of this guy I met yesterday. He is a wonderful man, a great mathematician and economist, and he has come to discover a system through which a family can live without money. other gambler became interested, eager to know immediately what system is that. And he asked, does it work? The first 
friends said, the system is wonderful, but that is the only loophole in it that doesn't work. <laughs> the only loophole. Otherwise the system is wonderful. But that's the only one loophole in it. All the systems are wonderful. Hegel, Kant, Marx, all the systems are wonderful. The only loophole is this, that they are dead. I have got no system. System can only be dead, it cannot be alive. I am a non-systematic, anarchic fellow. I am not even a person, just a process. I don't know what I said to you yesterday. And the person who said is not here to answer. It is gone. I am here. And I am answerable only for this moment. So don't wait for tomorrow because I will not be there. So who is going to make consistency and who is going to find a thread which is not contradictory? There is nobody. And I would like you to be the same. Just this moment exists. Absolutely consistent because there is no comparison. There is no past, no future. Only this moment is. How can you compare? If you live in this moment, there will come a consistency which is not of a system, which is of the life, which is of the energy itself. That will be an inner consistency. of your very being, not of the mind. And I am interested in the being, not in the mind. So don't take my answers very seriously. They are just play. Playing with words. Enjoy them and forget them. Enjoy me, but don't try to systematize me. The whole effort is useless. And in that effort you miss much which is beautiful. You miss much which can become a deep ecstasy in you. Look at me. Don't be bothered what I say. Be with me. Don't be bothered about theories and words.
act with me. This listening should be an act, not a mental effort. Listen to me, but don't try to think about it. I am not trying to convince you. I am not trying to give you a belief. I am not trying to create any religion or a fact. No doctrine is implied in it. Talking to you, I am there. Talking is just an excuse. I may be using one set today, another set tomorrow. If you look at my third, you will say you are inconsistent. Yesterday you were having this third and today this. And I say, look at me, words are just dressings. I am consistent. My being is consistent. It cannot be otherwise. How can your being be inconsistent? There is no gap in the being. It is a continuum. But mind it starts thinking, comparing, and then problems arise. Once it happened, a disciple came and asked his young master that why few people are so intelligent and few are so stupid and why few people are so beautiful and few are so ugly. Why this inconsistency? If everywhere is God, and if He is the Creator, then why He creates one ugly and another beautiful? And the man said, don't talk about to me about karmas, because I have heard all those nonsense answers. And because of karmas, past lives, one is beautiful, another is ugly. I am not concerned about past lives. In the beginning, when there was no yesterday before, how the difference came. Why one was created beautiful, another ugly. And if everyone was created equal, equally beautiful and intelligent, how they can act different? How can they do different karmas? The Master says, wait, this is such a secret thing. I will tell you when everybody has left. There were many people. So the man said, eager. But people went on coming and going and there was not a chance. But by the evening, everybody has left. So the man says, now, the Master says, come out with me. The moon was coming up. In the garden, the master took him and said, Look, that tree there is small. This tree here is so tall. 
I have been living with these trees for many years. They have never raised the question that why this tree is small and why that tree is big. And when there was mowing in me, I used to ask many times sitting under these trees, why this tree is small and that tree is Then my mind dropped and the question dropped. Now I know this tree is small and that tree is big and there is no problem. So look, there is no problem. Mind compares. How can you compare when the mind is not, how can you say this tree is small and that tree is big? Mind drops, comparison drops. And when there is no comparison, the beauty of existence erupts. It becomes a volcanic eruption, explodes. Then you see the small is big and the big is also small. Then all contradictions are lost. And an inner consistency is seen. Drop the mind and listen me. Then you will not ask why yesterday, why today this and yesterday that. Then there is no yesterday and no today. Then I am here and you are here. And in this here there is a medium. And this now and here, when mind is not there, becomes a communion. I am not interested in communicating something to you. I am interested in communion. Communication means my mind talking to your mind. Communion means I am not a mind, you are not a mind. Your heart meeting to my heart. No words. That's what this story is. Tell something about this part without using any words. And the cook kicked and went out. Whatsoever I say, kick, and went in, enough for today.